Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Report presented by Geico of Mobile, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. We've got a co-host, Stephen Wisdom, on today. How you doing today, buddy? I'm well, Brian. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad I'm not locked down at the house yet. Fortunately, uh, I don't live too far away, so I'm still kind of coming and going. But like I tell people, last I checked, fish are still biting and deer are still eating, so we're still working. That's right, man. Well, hopefully, I think the lockdown may be coming for all of us before long. I actually, on uh, I was looking on our app, You Do Outdoors, the other day, actually yesterday, and saw some people from different states that they were not allowing them to go fishing. That's crazy. I mean, to me, that's the best social distancing right? possible. Like to be in the middle of a lake with maybe you and your son, how much more distance do you want to get? They're shutting down the public fishing yeah. access. And not allowing that, which is a shame. Yeah, well, with that, man, it's great to introduce our first guest today and that idea that if you're in a position where, for whatever crazy reason, the states are shutting down boat ramps and you can't go fishing on these public waters, man, there's always the private ponds and there's always uh, the farm ponds and the, the recreational property lakes that have been managed and uh, are great opportunities to take people fishing maybe for the first time, take your kids for the first time, really just get out and turn this what the world's trying to view as a negative maybe turn into a positive and spend some time out at a local pond or uh, on a piece of property that has water and so what better to have our the guests that we have today that's right and and so with that being said we've got norman uh the owner of southeastern pond management on today and uh first of all welcome aboard norman hey uh, great to be here guys just to let you guys kind of know what we're going to be doing we're going to have a segment and we're going to do it I, and we're going to try to do this segment with norman at least once a month but it's going to be a, a fish management segment uh you know our, our primary thing on on this podcast is to is to report and give you information as close to real time as we can on what the fish are doing, what they're biting, where the fish are doing different things across our lakes and rivers in Alabama. But we also want to bring you some educational stuff on pond management and Norman's gracious enough to to join us. So thank you, Norman, for getting on here and being part of uh, Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. Absolutely. Love it. Well, what have you been doing? Uh, have you been, I mean, during this crazy time that we're in right now, you still getting out and doing some turkey hunting? Uh, a little bit, as much as I can. That's right. And we've been fortunate to stay pretty busy. This is, as you might expect, the early spring. And we, we really went from winter to summer near about uh, this year uh, is a very busy time for pond management and lots of things happening in ponds. Everything is starting to explode and, and get ready, bass are getting ready to to spawn and maybe even already starting that and so it's a very dynamic period for ponds is a critical time and so we're we're staying awfully busy are, are definitely running into lots more of our customers that are spending time on their property you know this time of the year we're out we see lots and lots of lakes and lots of properties and boy 75 percent maybe more of them are occupied right now which is kind of nice to see yeah absolutely i imagine in, in your line of work and the customers you have it you're doing a great service for a lot of people, but you don't necessarily get that interaction with them all the time. So I bet that is a, a nice change. I know that that's that way for me in my feed business of I don't often get to have face-to-face time with, say, the property owner while on the property, while he's enjoying what it is we're trying to uh, help him achieve. And so I bet that is a pretty cool experience for a lot of your guys who 
are really just on the grind every day from place to place. And now I have an opportunity to maybe have a conversation with the, the owner of the property that, that they're really working hard on. Most definitely. It really has been. It's refreshing and folks seem to be enjoying their, their places more than normal for obvious reasons. Like you guys mentioned earlier, I can't imagine a better place to, to distance yourself from, from the masses than out on, on your private lake. So uh, uh, we're seeing a bunch of that. Absolutely. Well, well, Norman, tell us, just tell us real briefly and about your business, well, where you're located throughout the state, kind of the areas that you that, that you service. Give everybody kind of background on you, your company, Southeastern Pond Management. Yeah, sure, Brian. We, we've been in business for 30 years. Uh, it started in 1989, and we've sort of grown to the point where we service really the entire Southeastern footprint. we have physical locations in three states, two in Alabama and Auburn and just south of Birmingham. And then we have an office in Canton, Mississippi, which is just north of Jackson, Mississippi. Then we have an office in Jackson, Tennessee, which is kind of a bedroom community of of Memphis. But we get around to all the southeastern states, uh, even get, you know, even all the way up to the Carolinas and down into the, the panhandle and a little beyond in Florida and even touch the eastern part of Texas occasionally. Uh, we, we try to be a one-stop shop, provide any solution that folks might be looking for with respect to help, helping them manage their, their water resource, their water, their liquid assets, as we call them. And, uh, but primarily what we do is help folks uh, grow fish, grow big bass, grow uh, big bluegill, try to define whatever their objectives are for their lake and and help them attain those. Awesome. Well, Norm, I I have two questions for you because I've kind of dealt with these two questions recently. And the the first one is, was there's so much to this. There's so much to pond management. There's so much of a process to follow. And, and so that's why, man, I'm excited that you're going to be on, on a regular basis so that we can help guys walk through that process. But right now, in, in the, here we are in the heart of spring, which really is kind of feeling like summer. But, you know, in general, speaking with a guy this week, just kind of overwhelmed because he didn't know where to start dart right he did he wants to tackle his lake he spent the last several years tackling his deer population and now he's ready to tackle his lake and he didn't know he just doesn't know where to start and so tell our listeners if they've all of a sudden they they just bought a piece of land or maybe they they've they have this lake on their property but they haven't really spent given a lot of attention over the years and and they're just they're, they're beginning to approach uh pond management what, what's a great first step for our listeners in that in that area? Yeah, Stephen, that that's a great question. We get and we get that a lot, uh, particularly with with new accounts. Uh, um, and uh, it's a really simple answer. Uh, the, the the first step that we recommend in cases like that is to uh, uh, come in and do a, a an electrofishing assessment. You know, s- sample the fish, see what's there, do some basic water quality testing, put our eyes on the lake, look at things like vegetative growth nuisance or not, kind of get an idea of what sort of watershed we're dealing with, what kind of flow through we're dealing with, how much structure's there, what kind of condition the spillway's in, what kind of condition the dam's in. Um, But most importantly, with our specialized equipment, we're able to stick that magic wand down in the water, so to speak, and and get a, a snapshot of what's there. And so we we collect those fish uh, that we're able to sample with electrofishing with our equipment. 
and we weigh them and we measure them and we count them and we, re- we, we release them. They're, they're unharmed. Uh, give them a little time to recover and we release them. So when we're done, we haven't changed much in terms of what's in the water, but we know a whole lot more. And then we take all that information and we, uh, in conjunction with the, the goals, the stated objectives and goals of the, of the, of the lake owner, and we create uh, what we call a management plan. Uh, it's a, a written, very comprehensive, custom written plan. We deal with all of the, the important inputs to get from where we are today, uh, what we just sampled, to where we want to get to. Again, based on the, the landowner's goals. And we sort of outline that in a concise form in this written report, including a calendar of sorts. In other words, here's what we need to do over the next 12 or 18 months. Here's when we need to do it. Uh, Here's how much it costs if you want us to do it for you. Here's how you can do it yourself if you want to do it yourself. It's really, it would be analogous to, you know, going in and getting your annual physical at the doctor's office and then going from there. Oh, that's great. And can you electrofish at any time of the year or does it need to happen a certain time of year? We electrofish year round. Okay. Uh, now, uh, there, there, there are different things that we look for different times of the year. Obviously, if we're electrofishing for, for shocking lakes in November and December and January when the water's cold, uh, we, we don't expect to see recent evidence of recent reproduction you know, we don't necessarily expect to find fish up in shallow areas. And, and in fact, in some cases, we may not even, uh, we, we may not expect to see as many fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because we've done it for so many years, over the entire calendar years, we're accustomed to that. I would say from the customer's perspective, especially on newer lakes uh, or new customers that want to kind of see and get an idea, get a feel for what we're seeing and and, and maybe have never seen it before. Certainly the warmer months, March, April, and, and beyond are, are the more productive months. And the fish are, tend to be a little shallower, maybe a little easier to, to access. <clears throat> the technique that we use is designed to, to capture fish in, in generally in the, in the more shallow areas. And right. we, can, we can pull fish up from uh, you know, 10, 12, 14 feet deep in some cases. Oh, wow. But once we get beyond that, it, it becomes challenging the way our way our equipment is set up. Absolutely. And so, guys, the I want you to hear there that there's there's no, I mean, the best time to get started is now, but you're never too late. You're never too early on getting started and taking that first step to pond management. And as Norman is saying, their great first step for them is to see what you got. And that's with electrofishing. So, no matter what time of year it is, uh, get started so that you really can, as Norman says, take your liquid assets and really start seeing their value in them. But the uh, the warmer months are the better months. But And with that saying, knowing that we're in the warmer month, the other question I had is, what are you guys doing right now? What is the main pond management technique or pond management effort that's happening? Here we are in the first week of April it is seasonally warmer than normal, but what's going on right now in pond management? 
Yeah, so there's a handful of things. As as I mentioned before, springtime is a very dynamic period. Lot lots of management inputs are indicated this time of the year. But generally, uh, what we're doing now, we're stocking forage, okay, which is to, to add additional food. It might be in the form of threadfin shad. It might be in the form of gizzard shad or golden shiners or tilapia, crawfish. So we're doing quite a bit of that now, kind of uh, feeding the fish through the through the early part of the spring uh, and into the or through the spring and into the early part of the summer uh, when they're when they're spawning. We are uh, we are fertilizing lakes. The fertilization uh, program that we follow calls for multiple applications beginning in early March through the, about the middle of the summer. We start out at two week intervals, then go to three week intervals. So here in the first week of April, we're 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 still hitting the ponds pretty regularly, pretty hard with fertilizer. And the the other thing that we're that we're starting to get more involved in now that it's really turned into springtime is vegetation control work and uh, the lakes that have vegetation problems that have nuisance aquatic vegetation that stuff's typically starting to rear its ugly head by now it's actively growing so we can effectively treat with herbicides so we're doing quite a bit of that uh, now as well yeah and vegetations uh, you know that's always been uh, something in pond management that it's, it's got to be a challenge. I know it's a challenge if you don't have somebody managing your lake, but even managing the lake, it's like, you know, a lot of times I like a little bit of aquatic plants, you know, but there's like, it's, it's very hard to have a happy medium. It's like you either have none or you have too much of it sometimes. Is there is there a way to have a happy medium in that? It is challenging, and that that was aptly put, Brian. It it is challenging to have a little bit or to have as much as you want. Typically, the ponds that we deal with are relatively shallow, and when I say relatively shallow, I mean the majority of the water is less than ten feet, maybe even less than six feet uh, deep. And the, when you get into these shallow in, into shallow water, that's where vegetation has a, a much easier time getting established and so it can be a challenge to keep enough but not let it get out of control certain plants certain types of vegetation are more conducive to doing that and and really certain lakes uh, depending on the sort of the depth profile are more conducive to doing that more often than not our customers tend to to like some vegetation so if we can uh, facilitate that that's what we do unfortunately particularly the the more invasive stuff uh, some of the exotic vegetation is very common now it's really difficult to, to to manage it that way it's almost all or nothing you have to go in there and i had an old fisheries professor uh many years ago at auburn used to say uh it's like trying to fix a watch with a sledgehammer you know you you, you just have to kind of hit it pretty hard and, and hope for the best Right. So when we go in and treat vegetation, we tend to we tend to hit it pretty hard. Yeah, I assume that that was probably the case, but it's something I've never asked. So uh, I appreciate you sharing that. And let me tell you guys, I know that, and I've seen this firsthand uh, on more than one occasion. But uh, we, you know, I know a lot of us try to manage our property for whitetail and. A lot of people have been like, man, we've been managing my place for, for 10 or 12 years, and, and we're just not seeing anything any different. We're not killing bigger deer than we were 10 or 12 years ago. So 
if you're listening, don't compare managing your pond to managing your property because I assure you, you can see the difference in a pond and a lake that's being managed by somebody like Norman than you than you might in your deer woods. Uh, you're going to see the fruits of that. Fortunately, I, I have a, a lake that, that I fish that Norman manages and uh, that you fish yourself on a regular occasion for sure. And it's a gorgeous lake and you've done done an incredible job in that lake in fact you might just want to go ahead y'all holding out on me on this secret lake now you might want to ask norman who's got the lake record in there i'm just saying i'm just throwing that out (laughs) recent recently broken lake record exactly this spring just a few just a few days ago right right that's exactly right man it was a good fish y'all are holding out on me over here just hiding hiding from me on this lake no scale, so it's not official, but it was it was in the nine pound ballpark. And how old are those? Well, fish? I'll say, Brian, I agree with what you're saying. That probably a little easier to to manage the variables in in a lake. It's it's maybe uh, the the analogy would be a, a a property that's under high fence. You know, for the most part, we we pretty much know what's going in and coming out. Um, you know, obviously the fish can't leave the water, so. It's a little easier to control maybe than, than, than a lot of properties. We can control those, those uncontrollables, those variables. And so I would tend to agree. What you put in, you tend to get out. Uh, there are some exceptions to that. There are some, some lakes that have just massive amounts of water flowing through them. Um, but for the most part, ponds are, are pretty manageable. And we can expect to get fruit out of uh, fruit from the labor. You know what you put in, you you end up, you you tend to get out. Absolutely. Well, Norman, if somebody wants to contact you to to manage their lake or to get you to come out and look at them and maybe start thinking about putting a plan together, uh, how's the best way for them to contact you? And South Brian, let me just—I'd be happy to share my 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 personal cell phone number, my, my work work and personal cell phone number that's that's a great way to get me uh you can call and leave a voicemail if i don't pick up or you can text message me at 205-288-1370-205-288-1370 the other thing is uh you can email me and my email is simple my first initial and last name it's n latona l-a-t-o-n-a N L A T O N A at S E pond.com. And I will get back to you very quickly. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate you being on today uh, and the information. And, and we're really looking forward to this segment. Guys, if you have a question that you want to ask Norman, just email me at Alabama Freshwater at best fishing Email me the question. And then uh, next time, when we have Norman back on here, we'll, we will be glad to address those questions and read your question on the air. If we do, we'll send you a little prize package or something like that. But Norman, we're fixing to go to another caller. Thank you again for being on for sure. Hey guys, I can't thank you enough for having me. Enjoyed it very much. Look forward to doing it again soon. Awesome, buddy. Talk to you soon. Okay. Hey, take care. Hey, all right. For our next segment, we have Clayton Bats. Clayton, you on? Yes, sir. How are you doing today? What's up, buddy? Oh, not like him. Just getting out of Turkey Woods, about to get on the tractor and go plowing up a field and getting ready for dove season. 
That's awesome. Hey, Clayton, this is Steve Wisdom, co-host of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. Thanks for being on. Oh, oh no problem. No problem. Look forward to it. Absolutely. Now, Clayton, tell us, tell us where you mainly and predominantly uh, guide and, and fish. I mainly guide and fish on Lake Fall, Alabama, along with guiding. I also fish the FLW Pro Circuit. So this is kind of what I do when I'm home to keep me on the water and try to make some clients happy. Absolutely. Well, man, t- uh, talk to us about the FLW. What's going on? I mean, this 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 uh, whole virus deal it, it not only has got businesses shut down, it's got got the tournament world shut down too, doesn't it? Yes, sir. We're pretty much shut down till uh, the next one on the schedule right now that they have not postponed is Lake Dardanelle, and it's in mid-May. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to get that one in, and then right from there, we head to Hartwell. So I got a feeling when all this kind of hopefully blows on over, when we hit the road, we're going to be gone and busy, busy to the end of the year. Well, that's unfortunate. You guys have uh, missed out a little bit, but I imagine you to to keep yourself sane. You spent some time on the water there in Eufaula. And tell us about what's going on on Lake Eufaula right now. Here we are in the uh, first week of April. What's going on down there? What 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 are the fish doing? They're biting. <laughs> I love it. Those uh. We had those couple of cool mornings we've had recently. You heard it a little bit um, as far as the shallow, super shallow bite. But right now, it's gone. They're about to get back to what they were doing. We're having 30 fish days. Our best five are averaging around 20 pounds right now. It just it kind of depends on the clients at the moment. If you get a hardcore bass fisherman and he wants to go try to catch a big bag, then we'll go offshore and you're not going to get as many bites, but you're going to have bigger fish. Which some people want to go just catch fish, and we can uh, line up trips to do that. But the bigger bite right now is is a little bit offshore. It's not far out of the ledges where I, that's that's my baby. I love it when they get way out there in twenty, thirty feet of water. Mm-hmm. But right now there is some off the bank. Like I said, you just don't get as many bites, but it is a little bit bigger fish. Yeah, so so they're kind of spread out a little bit. There's some of them, maybe some of the bucks have moved up into the shallows. The females are still out. I mean, where where are you guys at in in the spawn uh, on you right now? We've got all three phases. Some are up there uh, on the bed. Some already did it, and some hadn't moved up yet. You'll notice it's like when you're fishing shallow right now, you'll catch some that are green that have been up there, and you still catch some that have been white and mm-hmm. been out there in that muddy water we've had. But to uh, to really kind of chase the the big ones, uh, they're they're probably still hanging out a little bit um, uh, off offshore. They are. There's some that's coming up on this new moon, so you can expect another wave of big ones or good ones to come on up. Then you've had some. I was catching them with bloody tails in January this year, which is rare. Yeah, a bunch that's... of people don't think that they spawn that early. Them big ones. I mean, they like to go ahead and get on out there and get it done. Yeah. And then on you follow, we got another thing. We got some bars that are out there, some shallow rocky bars. Uh-huh. And a bunch of those bigger fish, they never come in. They spawn out there on those bars, and then they'll move back out to, you know, their deep water stuff. Yeah. So tell us about the bars. I mean, I know for guys who fish and are, are, are in it and, and, and serious about it, and the fish lingo is is everyday talk, but – Maybe for a guy who's really trying to figure things out and really learning right now, tell me tell me more about what you mean by a bar. Our bars down here, they're a little different than, say, stuff up there on uh, the Tennessee River kind of stuff. I mean, they've got more like of a river channel than the shallow bars just right off the side of it. Mm-hmm. Ours down here, these are a little bit different. 
these are where they've washed, but they're more of just kind of like a, a bar high spot. Maybe you, some people kind of refer to them more as a hump. Yeah, okay. But they'll come up and it's got a hard bottom they'll spawn on. Some of them will be come up as shallow as two feet. And I mean, that's the same thing as them getting up on the bank and spawning in two feet. There's no different. Yeah, absolutely. What, you just can't see these fish like you can the bank ones. Yeah. You just kind of know they're there and knowing that they're probably, they're finding that hard stuff and, and, and they're, they're trying to spawn on it. Correct. Awesome. What are you catching fish on right now? What kind of baits? There's a shallow bite. Uh, my bait thing has been catching on uh, a white strike zone jig. And then you go off to those bars and stuff, and I'm catching them more just dragging like a football head jig. Mm-hmm. Black and blue, green pumpkin, you can kind of pick your poison with it, whichever one you want to throw. Um, I look forward to them real soon. The brush piles are going to start kicking in. And I think you follow these days is known about for more of the brush piles, just like it is the ledges. <laughs> that's that's awesome. So when you're up shallow throwing that jig, are you swimming in it or are you, you, you throwing it to targeted structure and, and dragging it on the bottom like, like you normally would fish a jig or you know, are you throwing a bladed jig? Like what 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 are you doing on uh how how are you fishing the jig up in the shallow area? Yeah, I'm up shallow, I'm swimming it. I'm swimming it fast and I'm covering water. Which right now with this hotter weather we've had come in it's making me after about 10 o'clock, you have to slow down and throw a Texas rig or something. Something dragging it through there. Yeah. What's the water- I'm swimming it around grass or any cover I can find, and I promise you there's not another lake in the country that they will get as shallow on as they will on Lake Uvala. And they, they either they like-, like to be up there in a foot or either they like to be out there in 20. That's crazy. You can't even hardly get your boat up there. I'm scraping bottom yeah, when I'm fished, catching them. I have fished on Ufala, uh on, in several tournaments. And, God, it's sometimes frustrating to, when you're not from there, trying to discuss, trying to figure out how to get through some of those real shallow areas to get to where those fish are holding in, <laughs> like six inches of water. So yeah, I know crazy. what you mean. Well, the good thing about Lake Ufala, that's a, it's a very diverse fishery and lake so so you got a lot of options down there don't you oh yeah definitely it's a great lake to learn i've taken a bunch of high school um college kids as far in as anglers that are way more advanced than that if you want to go flip grass flip mats we can go flip mats if you want to go fish brush piles there's as many brush piles as you want to fish swimming a jig if you want to go fish ledges Ledges, I mean, that's what you fall is really known for, and that's my favorite time to go catch them is when they get offshore on those ledges. They start schooling up. Uh, When they start schooling up, and it normally starts at the end of May, June, July, and August. I mean, those are your your offshore months. What's your water clarity like right now? It's stained, but it's not muddy. You can see some on the bed, but, I mean, you got to really know what you're looking for to see them. Well, is there a uh, part of the lake that's turned on right now, the lower end or up, up in the river, or what parts of the lake are kind of hot right now? Both of them are good right now. Uh, it just kind of depends on what you want to do. Uh, the jig bike's been better swimming that jig. It's been better up the lake just because there's not as much of that grass down south. And grass down south is a little bit clear. So, I mean, you kind of have to change tactics down there just a little bit. And that's where I was talking about those bars. That's mainly where they'll get on those bars like that. Just because the water is a little bit clearer and there's a little bit more sun penetration down there where they can bed a little deeper. Yeah, I know on the Tennessee River, talking about those bars again, you know, the Tennessee River, even the Coosa is very current 
oriented. Yeah. Are those fish that are out on the bars uh, and even the ledges on Eufaula, are they just as current oriented as, as some of the other fishery? They are, especially in the summer. Right now, some of the ones, I mean, you got, there's two different kind of bars or shallow little hard spots you can get on down there. Those shallow ones are going to be spawning fish. And then you can get off the ones that are six to eight, and those are staging fish coming in and out. That kind of goes in with the brush piles. Those fish, they are current-oriented this time of year, but nowhere near as much as, say, like after the spawn when they're out there just feeding, feeding. Clayton, I've heard you say something that I, I love and, and, and indicated to me that it's it's going to be easy for us to encourage our listeners if they want to come fishing with you. You, you mentioned – it depends on how advanced a fisherman is. And so it sounds like you're one of those guides who, man, if you're a hardcore fisherman, you will match the talent level of your clients. So if, if guys, you're not as experienced, I think Clayton will help put you in a successful position to have a great day on the lake and, and, and vice versa. Just because you're an experienced fisherman and a hardcore fisherman doesn't mean you can't come and have a great day on the lake with Clayton and learn in more of that environment to go chase big fish or do a, a technique that, that you just need some guidance on, especially like punching or, or, or flipping and, and fishing that heavy vegetation or learning how to identify where to even start to find brush piles. And so Clayton, I'm glad you kind of said that. Cause I, I think that's important for people to realize that, mm -hmm. you know, choose a guy to go fishing with, choose a guide that is willing to kind of either come down to w meet you where you're at or take you to the next level of your experience that you're looking for. And hiring a guide is a great way to do that, guys. It's not just about, you know, show me some spots and or let me go see where he's fishing before we go fish a tournament. Guides are a great resource to not only teach you new techniques, but also learn how to approach a given body of water in a different way. Because they're on top of these fish and the, 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 the seasonality of these fish constantly. And so, Clayton, man, thank you so much for being a part of our show. We look forward to having you on. And e each week, we're not going to let you go until you give uh, our listeners, you know, just one tip. And so, uh, every week we're going to do uh, a part of our segment is, is going to be uh, you just giving them one tip to walk away from. And this week's uh, Lake Eufaula tip is going to be brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. And so, Clayton, if you could only say one thing to fishermen right now, first week in April on Lake Eufaula, what's one tip that you you could give them to walk away with? Uh, I'm going to hit on one tip, and I'm also going to hit on one thing that you discussed about uh, when you're hiring a guide and when you're going through all that. I'm going to start with that one. When you hire a guide, when I book a trip with somebody and it's a fisherman, now we do catching trips where if you just want to go catch fish, that's fine. But the main thing I do in the whole teaching aspect, the main thing I do is I try to teach somebody something like you kind of hit on how, where to find brush piles, how to find where to look and stuff like that. I try to teach people something that they can carry back and they might can use on their home lake. Or when they go to another lake, they're going to be able to use that tactic or where to look. And instead of just using it on you fall, they'll be able to use it on another lake and they know exactly what to look for, which is what I think is real important with people when they book a guide is to learn things like that, things they could carry over to other lakes. Absolutely. Uh, one tip that I would, uh, I kind of hit on it earlier. One tip I'd like to uh, share, especially this time of year on Lake Uvala is if you think you're fishing shallow enough, go shallower. Nice. Yeah. Cause I, I like promise that. those fish will get super shallow and a bunch of people, they'll get out and you'll have like a, some reeds or any kind of grass or some wood and they're throwing up to that. 
make sure and we call it this is what we call it there it's the stuff behind the stuff a bunch of people don't fish that and i promise those fish that you follow will get up there in that super super skinny water that's awesome well well clayton man thank you so much we appreciate you being on we look forward to uh to having you on more and and keeping us posted to what's going down on down there in ufala hey guys if y'all want to have a 30 fish day which that's an awesome day by the way on any lake but if you want to have one of those days Clayton, how can people get up with you? Uh, people can find me on Facebook. Um, I keep up to date on there. Um, it's at, at Lake Eufaula Fishing Guide. My website is the same. It's just www.lakeufaulafishingguide.com. Or either if you'd like to, just give me a call. My cell number is 334-310-8338. That's awesome. Man, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll catch you next time, and you can go on back to turkey hunting or fishing or whatever you're going to do. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Have a good day, Clayton. Thank y'all. Hey, for our next segment, we're going to go north. We're going to go up to the Tennessee River chain, and we've got David Allen. Jumping on, buddy. Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is David Allen. Uh, I've been full-time guiding on Pickwick for about six years now. Moved down here in 2009 from near Bowling Green, Kentucky uh, to go to school and just fell in love with Pickwick and never left. Got a lot of great fishing here and just great environment to live around, too, being in the shoals. Grew up fishing most of my life on the Tennessee River near Chickamauga is where I really cut my teeth in that fishing. And just fell in love with it, and just that's all I think about fishing. And so I made my job that. That's <laughs> awesome, man. Hey, what a great way to make a living doing what you love, right? That's what they always say you should do. That's right. You know, that's all, Dad always told me, if you if you love your job, you never work a day of your life. So, that's good. That's so, did, you, uh, <laughs> did you go to school at the uh, University of North Alabama? No, I didn't go to UNA. I went actually to Northwest Shoals Community College and yeah. got a uh, associate's degree in welding and in machine shop while I was there. Went to the technical degrees. Yeah. And for a few years, did that for a while. Worked for a general contractor, did all that. And fished tournaments and stuff when I was in college there. Mm-hmm. Um, really got me fired up on competitive fishing and that's kind of where I really got, you know, further honed my skills in on the college tour, you know, roaming around all over the U S and then when I graduated, you know, it's was like, well, I'll fish some BFLs and fish BFLs and ABAs and stuff like that. And then you had to work too, though, you know, tournaments didn't pay all the bills. Unfortunately, I wasn't in Jordan Lee where I got to be able to do that because yeah, I can't win all of them like he does. But <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. That's kind of neat, David. I actually am from Tuscumbia, uh, so I grew up right there where you were at. I started fishing uh, in the tail race right below uh, on Pickwick, right below uh, the Wheeler Dam, and so uh, I grew up in that area. Pickwick was not what it is today back then. the uh, The tail race was, but the rest of the lake was not like it is today, and it is a pretty phenomenal fishery. So tell us about Pickwick. What's going on on Pickwick right now? What What's it look like? Man, Pickwick has been a roller coaster is the best way to put it this year. We've had, we had the floods last year, which we only had one really bad flood. But this year it, it came earlier in February, which flooded us out. You know, you, you could catch some fishing, but my thing is if that water gets above 417 is really got to be really careful in that water and i had to cancel a lot of trips of it but they finally got the water back down but still gate i lost count of days how long they've been on below wilson down they've been on i'm gonna say we're getting close to 80 days now straight of having some sort of spill gates on below the dam which has really put a hurt kind of on consistency below there i'm mm-hmm. hoping they hurt and get them cut off so the fish will be able to get a good successful spawn in yeah um down river into the lake's been on fire 
um, you know, down towards the, mm-hmm. the end of Seven Mile Island, on down through Waterloo's been really good current breaks, stone chatterbaits, rattle traps, uh, mid-running crankbaits, square bills, catching a lot of fish and current breaks. Um, we've still got a very big pop, you know, area of high drill on the lake, which is surprising to me because usually all this current will blow it out, but we've got some of the healthiest high drill I've ever seen on this lake in all the time I've fished it. And the fish are loving it too. You know, they're about, uh, I'd say a week ago, whenever the, before we had that other flood come up again, I've got, there's a lot of the deep hydrilla in some of the backsides of channels, you know, that's out there and, you know, seven foot of water and the hydrilla is actually coming up three foot off the bottom. We were taking a big three quarter rattle trap and absolutely slamming the big large mouth and catching some small mouth out of it too. It's been a real good year in the grass for sure. And that's no. helping our lake fishery a lot too. Now, when you're talking, and, and educate me a little bit, when you're talking about current break, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think I have the concept of what you're talking about there, but man, go into a little more detail on, yeah. on fishing current break and, and, and kind of what you're looking for, how you're finding it, uh, and those kind of things. You know, when I say current break, you know, it could be it's something as simple as just a, a, a point coming off the bank that that current gets disturbed the flow. In other words, it, instead of it just straight blowing through there, it furs that current around it. In other words, like if it's really windy and you're at your house and you get behind a wall and that wind blows by or the rain, same thing with that current break. It could be a point that makes that flow of current. There's an eddy, those fish can get behind and not get pushed out, you know, pushed down the river. They can sit there and ambush bait and jump out in that current and grab them. Same thing like you've always done when you grew up fishing below Wheeler Dam, you know. Look at the wing walls. When that current's pushing through there, you can get behind the wing wall and throw up there where the current goes around it, and the fish are sitting right on the edge out of the current in that wing wall. Same thing down wherever you find points. Boat dock can cause a good wing, a good current break. On the mouths of creek mouths, you know, that current comes by, they'll be on that upriver point just tucked in out of that current, and you can just sit there and they'll stack up, and you'll catch fish after fish after fish because they have nowhere else they can get to really feed or just to stay out of the current and rest. Now, what are you fishing with? What are you throwing in that situation right now? It depends on depth a lot of time. You know, most of the current breaks, like right now, I think the lakes were right around the 412 mark. And most of the time, the depth of those current breaks, you know, in that four to five foot are the average ones, you know, because most of these fish are pre-spawned or getting ready to spawn. So they're moving up shallow. They're moving to the gravel hard spots on the banks, points, working their way as shallow as they can get. So, like, say if I were fishing a four- to five-foot, you know, current break, I'm going to throw a rattle trap, chatterbait, spinnerbait, just depending on water clarity, if it's windy or sunny. But on average, the two to three baits that I'm going to throw all the time are going to be rattle trap or a square bill, a chatterbait, and a, and a, a swim bait. You know, if we've got good, you know, decent water clarity, I want to. I like throwing a swim bait because it always gets a big bite. Um, now, you know, they've got deeper current breaks, like little gravel washes off bluff walls and stuff. I mean, if you see that gravel where it goes from being bluff and there's pea gravel coming up, that pea gravel comes on ice and makes an underwater point. And a lot of times I'll just throw a deeper swim bait or like a 10-foot diving crankbait or, you know, even deeper, just depending to get it down to that depth it needs to be. Like right now with the water temp, I think our water temp's up, main river's probably was 65 to 66, depending on these cold snaps. I'm actually going to have to go put in the water right now. I'll let you know, but I'm going to probably throw, you know, Z-Boss 20 or or a Z-Boss 10 and a Shaker Z and then might throw, a, you know, chatterbait or a, a true bass swim bait is probably what I'll end up throwing. 
That's great. So if a guy was about to do the same, about to go drop his boat in the water right now, and man, just to simplify, where where what do you think a guy should? What water depth should a guy target right now? If he if right he now, stay focused on one thing, where should he go? Water depth. If wise. it were me right now, and you're going to put in at Pickwick today and focus on water depth, you know, with our water level right now is being about four eleven twenty six on the lower end of the lake, so we're about two to three foot under summer pool. I'd get and try to be in that, you know, two to three foot of depth. You may be even shallower, just depending on the type of structure and area you're fishing a lake. Mm-hmm. But that water level being like this, they're going to be in the dirt. They're going to be shallow. They're going to be on top of a bar behind a current break or on a shale bed. They're liable to be in a foot of water. I, you know, back when the water level was four or eight, I was catching these things. And literally when they would bite your rattle trap, you'd see them bull in six to eight inches of water. Good um, but I would definitely try to stay shallower than four foot. You know, between yeah. that two to four depth and try to get in the mouth of creeks, the mouth of pocket, um, good transition banks that go from chunk rock to pea gravel or bluff to pea gravel. Just something that these fish can relate to to work their way up with the spawning flats. Yeah, so let's let's take a, just a quick second to, to teach a little bit because uh, all, all kind of our listeners are at different levels. And you've said a couple of things numbers-wise. You've, you, you've said 417, 412, 410. And and ultimately, you're, you're talking about the elevation and the water level, but go more in a little bit in depth for the listeners on uh, when when you say the, the water is at you know four oh eight. What does that mean, and, and how how can a guy utilize that and and hone in on fishing on Pickwick using those numbers? Tell us about it. What I'm talking about when I'm saying you know the four elevens, four tens is the water level above sea level. Okay, that's how they maintain. You know, Pickwick's a fluctuating flow. They've got the turbines, you know, Wilson Dams, the headwaters, and Pickwick's tailwaters. And what they do is they try to maintain a certain level. Well, you know, like right now, we're, we're kind of on the – supposed to be coming up towards summer pool, but we're, you know, we've had the major flood last week. We were at 416. But what I do to keep up with that, there's a TVA Lake Info app on your phones you can get. And it shows me the average current flow, when they're planning on turning on generators, if they have spill gates on. And what it does, you can pick the lake you're on, and you can tell it, and it'll tell you all the information, how much, you know, like right now, they're, it tells you at noon, their reservoir elevations at 411.26, so it's at 411.26 foot above sea level, okay? And then it tells me they're doing the tailwater elevation, which is down on Kentucky Lake, which is not necessarily needed unless you're fishing below there. And then it tells you average discharge, and they're doing 125,365 cubic foot a second coming out of the dam. So in other words, they're pushing a massive amount of current right now. So I look at all those things, and I go, okay, I understand the water is low because summer pool on Pickwick's 414. So we're not bone dry, but we're not yeah. summer pool. There's a lot of things that on your map are going to be out of the water that usually are underwater if it's summer pool. So then I go, okay, the fish can't get all the way in the back of a lot of these spawning flats but they're going to be staged up on current breaks, mouths of sloughs, anywhere that they can use that current to their advantage to feed since they're pulling 125,000. I just put all those variables together off this app just to understand where do I need to fish. And like, you know, today, if I go out with this much current and this water level, I'm going to be looking on shallow points, shallow bars, main river bars that we call them. In other words, it's just a big, long, you know, high spot that goes all the way through the river. And like try to look where it has any sort of angle that disturbs that flow of current for them to get on. It's got that right depth that, you know, 
three to you know five foot deep or even show you know one to five foot somewhere in that area just try to find that depth and put all those mixtures together to get around these fish man that's awesome thanks on that i mean even uh even for a guy like me who i have fished all my life i fished all over the country i fished competitively for a very long time just the way you just laid that out that's beautiful for a guy tackling pickwick because there is a lot of fluctuating even you said something that's a little bit different on pickwick i don't even i knew that know that because i grew up there in that water level and those fish are waiting on that water level to spawn and so on pickwick the fish really will hold off spawning until the water level gets to a certain number and you don't always mm-hmm. see that on a lot of lakes. A lot of lakes, they'll just spawn. When the water temperature's temperature. right, they'll spawn. But Pickwick's a little unique. They're, they're literally waiting on that water level to hit a certain point because it puts water in all these back areas that are that are dry during other parts of the year. And that's where they love to go in and spawn. And that's a little bit unique for Pickwick that I've seen. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. And, I, and there's a lot of times that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's a full moon. They're going to spawn. And you're like, yeah, but they got to have somewhere to go first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. We've got thrown through the chain right now. There's not a lot of places these fish can go up that are going to be stable one. You know, Cause that's all a fish is really worried about. He's worried about water temperature. Is it somewhere that I can safely, she wants to safely lay her eggs and it's not going to go dry. Cause you know, last week we we're at 416. So it was up in the fields, you know, and then all yeah. of a sudden three later we're at 412. Yeah, you know, so they, back out. A lot of the fish went up shallow in the bushes, but, you know, in a couple of days, they drug the water back up. Well, they had to go mm-hmm. right back up. So they wait for stability yeah. to go spawn. Yeah. And, you know, the time of year, you know as good as I do, they fluctuate this water like crazy. And especially mm-hmm. now, since we worry about so much flooding and rain amounts we get, they're constantly fluctuating Pickwick because we're a flood stage lake. We're That's one thing about Pickwick and Kentucky Lake is they use those two lakes to hold all this excess water through the whole chain. Mm-hmm. You know, Wilson only fluctuates maybe a foot, a foot and a half, two foot. Wheeler will fluctuate a lot, but they try not to, and Gunners will don't fluctuate a foot. So they use, you know, Pickwick and Kentucky Lake to hold all this water, and that's why Pickwick's summer pool is such a, you know, it goes from being five foot difference between summer and winter pool, and Kentucky Lake's just the same. So, th- like you said, these fish here wait on, along with the moon phase and water temperature and length of days, they also wait, like you said, we're waiting on, the water to get to a certain level so they can get to these major spawning flats that's like home you know well y'all just it's both a- educated me on that and i, I was along with probably a, a lot of the the listeners i always thought the main factor on what was the the water temperature and that that fish were going to automatically spawn when it got to the right temperature so that's some very very good information to know that hey water temperature yes it's important but it's not only the only factor uh, the, you know, on certain lakes like Pickwick, uh, there's a lot of value to, to knowing the, the depth and, uh, and the, and the level of the lake. So for the tip of the day for Pickwick, it's going to be brought to mm-hmm. you today by Killer Dock, the greatest fish cleaning station known to mankind. Most people don't have a cleaning station that they can be proud of, but if you want one, Check out Killer Dock at www.killerdock.com. If you clean fish, you need a Killer Dock. Hey, give us a tip of the day, man, if we're coming to Pickwick. If I'm going to say you're coming to Pickwick, the best tip I can give you is cover water right now. These fish are spread out since all the flooding. Just, you know, put the trolling motor down, cover as much water as you can until you find them. But once you find them, 
hold yourself the same place, make the same cast. Because with all this current we have going right now, they're going to be tight together. They're going to be in one little area because that's the only place they can get out of current. But so cover as much water as you can. But once you do find it, they're going to be grouped up and keep throwing that same cast. Remember exactly where you threw because literally you will stick at just four or five fish to ten or twenty in the same spot. Cover water, but when you do find them, hunker down and make sure you make the same cast over and over again. That's a great <laughs> tip. Thank you for that. David, I love Pickwick, and you have got me fired up. <laughs> I want to go <laughs> right now. Uh, I'm about man. to head out there right now. It's uh, I went turkey hunting this morning and got duke busting turkey, so I'm going to go get my revenge on some fish. So. Absolutely. <laughs> well, David, thank you for being on. We hope that you will uh, continue to be on with us, and uh, thank you for all your insight. You know, one more segment that we're going to have uh, on this show and that we're going to do every week. It's normally going to be done by, uh, by listeners that are emailing in, but we want, mm-hmm. we want a question from uh, a Hey Captain question is basically what it's going to be called, where the viewers ask a question. We don't have a viewer. Uh, we're just now starting, obviously, so we're going to provide that question. But to all the listeners, email us a question at Alabama Freshwater at bestfishingreport.com. If we use your question uh, next week or the following week after that, we're going to send you a package. So please email us Alabama Freshwater at bestfishingreport.com and we'll ask these questions on the air and get people like David to give us your feedback. This week's Hey Captain question is going to be brought to you by You Do Outdoors. If you're an outdoors lover, there is finally a social media platform for us. It's called You Do Outdoors, and you can download it for free. Download You Do Outdoors, share your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, or whatever you do outdoors today. So, Stephen, you're a pickwick guy. I'm going to let you ask this question today. So, my question for the day on pickwick and really the seasonality of it is I love the spawn, but I love also offshore fishing. How do I see when the transition is happening, David? Like, how do I, what, what is, what are some of my indicators that I'm, I need to stop fishing offshore and I need to start heading towards the bank? A lot of the things I look for, you know, saying I'm fishing offshore, you know, deep gravel bars, grass lines, and all of a sudden I say, hey, they're about to go bedding. The things I look for here on Pickwick is, you know, I look at my water temperature first. Okay, I'm in that main river's getting towards that 66 to 68. So that means the backwaters that are shallower or more stagnant water are getting warmer. That's the first thing I look for just to be a judge on. The second thing is I'm going to look at water level and how close was the latest full moon or is coming up. Is what I'm going to look at after that. So I look at water temperature first because that is a major factor on any body of water you're on. I look at water level. Okay, is there enough water for these fish to find somewhere to spawn? And a lot of fish still do spawn offshore on Pickwick, but usually it's later because it takes main river longer to heat up. Mm-hmm. But then I'll I'll go after that water temperature, water level, and the moon phase. And then I'll just go fish, say, okay, I'm going to get some areas I think might be some pre-spawn. Tie you know, a, a covering water bait like a, chatter bait or you know a little crank bait and then i'll have you know like a plastic that's a little i'll have some sort of cinco style bait you know hooked up wacky rig and i'll just get in kind of these little pockets that look like spawning pockets and just fish around throw my moving bait and then i'll pick up that wacky rig and you start feeling these fish out you know if they're at the mouth of the pocket eating that reaction bait they're not necessarily spawning but if you get that plastic out and start throwing it towards some cover or reeds or 
a stump and you catch them off that stump, more than likely if she or he, if you catch a male or the female, you can start telling by which kind of fish. If you're catching mainly bucks first, you're probably looking at the bucks usually get in there first to make the bed. The yeah. females aren't far behind them. You might say, okay, I'm only catching little ones on the worm. I need to back out, throw the throw the chatterbait around, find where the big females are staging up waiting to go up. Or, hey, I just caught a big one on my worm. They're spawning. I need to start moving up shallower and maybe I can look for some beds. Main awesome. thing I'd look for if you're coming over here, look your water temperature, water level, and then say your moon phase, and then just go look in those areas where they're supposed to be, man. Beautiful, That's man. good. That's good. Well, guys, if you have any questions uh, each week, just email us, and uh, we'll try to we'll try to ask those questions to our captains that are on. David, thanks for your time. Look, if someone wanted to come fishing with you, man, how do they how do they get in touch with you? The best way to get the hold of me, um, get on my website at davidallenfishing dot com. Get on there. You know, you look at all the pictures and stuff. But just get on there. Go to contact me and hit my email up, or you can call me at two seven zero. 205-9380 is my cell number. It's a direct line straight to me, and I've always got it with me. And then, you know, if you want to just keep up and watch what fish we're catching and how things are going, I've got a Facebook and an Instagram. It's just David Allen Fishing, and you can get on there, and I post pictures about every day or every other day. You can kind of see what's going on or message me on there. You can get a hold of me at any time, and we'll get you fishing. Good stuff, man. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on. We're looking forward to having you on a lot more and keeping us posted on what's going on up there. So, uh, man, get out there and go catch some fish this afternoon, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Sounds great, guys. Thank you all very much, and y'all stay safe and enjoy the warm weather today. Absolutely, man. Same to you. Appreciate you. All right. Well, that's going to be a wrap for the show this week. Uh, man, what a great a great show today, I felt like, and a lot of good information, Stephen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've recently spent some time, you know, in that whole pond world. And so enjoy speaking with Norman at Southeastern Pond Management. And then you uh, fall and Pickwick are two amazing lakes. Uh, they're both lakes I love to fish because they both have current oriented fishing and a lot of vegetation fishing and sounds like they're both fishing very well right now. So thank you, Clayton and, and uh, David up on Pickwick and man, I'm loving it. And and hopefully you guys are loving it too. And we're just going to uh, work hard each week to bring you guys some quality information uh, about what is happening around the state when it comes to freshwater fishing. And, and uh, our hope is that it will excite you to the point where you get out there and fish. Yeah, and and where you and and you share it to not only fish, but you enjoy the podcast, you utilize it, and you share it with your friends, and uh, invite them to get on and listen as well. Uh, you know, we can't do this show without you guys, so we appreciate everybody listening. And don't forget, man, we want to hear from you. Whether it's a question that you have from one of our captains, whether it's the way that we're structuring our show, whether you know if you want to hear from different lakes uh, that we haven't covered. Uh, feel free to reach out to us and at the website, I mean, at my email, alabamafreshwater at bestfishingreport.com. And if, if you would like to be subscribed to the podcast and get an update of when we release new podcasts every week, head on over to Great Days, with a S, greatdaysoutdoors.com slash AFFR. And we'll send you the new show each week there. So if you want to go on there, we'll, we'll automatically send you the next show. But get out there and enjoy, the, uh, enjoy the, the beautiful Alabama lakes that we have. We are very blessed to have the fisheries that we have in the state. Wouldn't live anywhere else. Love it, man. Okay, guys, look forward to talking to you next week. Stephen, thank you for today, and uh, thanks to all our contributors. Thank you.
forward to next week. See you. Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Killer Dock. Check out the full line of all-natural dock-enhancing fish cleaning stations at KillerDock.com. This week's episode was brought to you by Geico of Mobile. Give Ron Davis, your Geico agent, a call at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at Geico.com forward slash mobile dash. This week's episode was brought to you by Fish Bites. Ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com. This episode was brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Check out You Do Outdoors on your app store, Google Play. It's a social media app for whatever you do outdoors. This episode was brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344. And also, great days outdoors.